Hi! Welcome to my podcast, Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Gunjani Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalize mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed, actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me where we unpack mind, body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you, and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another brand new episode of Traumatic Transformations. Today, I'm in conversation with an amazing man who was once on top of a mountain and was living his dream to one day finding out um, that he was diagnosed with a stage four terminal cancer. We are going to talk about what made, what, how, what, how is he still here, his healing journey and the entire process of what that healing looked like and now how what what was his tenacity behind wanting to live so bad and now he's here <coughs> to tell his tale so can't wait to introduce you to nelson Belterjar. and um, nelson so much thank you so much for being here today with us and being in conversation and talking to my audience about some of the things that they can learn from you and the huge post-traumatic growth that you have experienced as a result of your diagnosis. So thank you for being here. Hey, Kunjani, thank you very, very much. It's a, it's a great day to be above ground, I tell you. Right? <laughs> Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. So tell us a little bit about your story, you know, the beginning parts of your story and um, what it was like and what were you doing and um, what happened after? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> to your audience, before I get started, I want you to all know that I bleed the same color red as all of you out there. So uh, I'm no different. And uh, there's probably things I'm going to say that you already heard before. But maybe I'll say it in such a way that it tickles your ear that you remember this conversation. Yes, um, that's exactly. And wow, where do I start? Let's see. Uh, well, uh, I'm one of those guys that knows what it's like to climb that mountain of ambition and success, get to the top, enjoy the view for a while, only to come crashing down, crashing, spiraling down losing everything that I'd ever worked for 
in a blink of an eye. Mm. So humbling. So, so humbling. I was, like I said, I was lucky enough to, to build a thriving, thriving physical therapy and personal training studio clinic mm. that specialized in injury assessment, treatment, and rehabilitation. But I'll never forget this. It was May 2016. We were on the second floor of my loft studio celebrating, celebrating, mm. clanging those champagne glasses, which were really filled with, with Diet Coke and uh, <laughs> white wine. But the truth is we were up there celebrating, celebrating, reaching one of those milestones of a, of a goal that we were trying to chase. It was great. I was living the dream. I was on top of the world. And you're not going to believe this. A week later, 168 hours later from that moment in time, I was shockingly diagnosed with cancer. And, and forced to live in the hospital immediately for supervision, treatment, and uh, uh, evaluation. I had to have chemotherapy immediately. Wow. And to add salt to the wound, you're not going to believe this, as a secondary complication, I lost my ability to walk. And I was stuck in a wheelchair for the next three years. And that's how it kind of all started. And here we are today. But uh, I'm sure as we talk I'll let the years 2016, 2017, and 2018 unfold. But wow, here we are today. Isn't this interesting how we never prepare for some of these things because we always almost assume that some of these things are never going to happen to us. Um, and then here it happened so suddenly and so unexpectedly. And what was that like for you when you were living the life of your dreams, but yet all of a sudden, one day, you find yourself in a hospital? Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. I was driving to work, starting a regular day, yeah. excited to do what I do. And then I got a phone call from my doctor. And she asked me, are you driving? And I said, yes. She goes, I'm going to ask you to pull over. Yeah. And then she said, uh, I'm going to need you to come in right away. So you hear that, you go, well, what's, what's going on, right? So, right. You know, I, I turned the car around, went to the office. And she told me that uh, to have a seat and, and that she's taken the liberty of setting me up with an oncologist and to do a biopsy. And I'll never forget that. You know, you, you're in shock. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you sit there and you go through the self-pity. I'll never forget leaving that appointment, sitting in the parking lot in my car, asking, why me? Why is this happening to me? You know, I know what I do with my days. Well, how, why is this happening to me? How? Absolutely. And, you know, we go through this, this denial at first. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we go through this acceptance and say, okay, fine, fine. If, if, if that's what's, if those are the cards I'm dealt, then instead of, instead of crumbling, I'm going to find a way to struggle and figure out a way to beat this thing. Did I know how I was going to do it? No. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny how life unfolds. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it wasn't funny then. And I'm just very interesting how you, you know, how you mentioned that you were in denial. But then tell us more about how that unfolded for you. Oh, man. <clears throat> like I said, you, you wallow in that self-pity for a while. Mm. And it's very subjective. Mm -hmm. And me being a physical therapist and being in the medical world, I had to take my mind out of that subjective thinking mm -hmm. and then get objective right away. 
And I said, fine, then I'm going to have to line myself up with this oncologist, get all the tests, get the empirical evidence, see where I'm at. More yeah. importantly, see, see what they can do for me. Yes. And let's start, let's start doing this thing sooner than later. Was I scared? Absolutely terrified. Because mm-hmm. you hear that word cancer and you think death sentence right away. Yep, yep. And most and, of the uh, time it is for a lot of people. And even your story from what you tell me was not easy. It was you were almost at the cusp of switching over to the other realm. Yes, yes, yes. Like, like, like we mentioned earlier, I took you up to 2016. Hmm. 2016, it was a, a brutal year for me, but then 2017 came around and it wasn't any easier. Right. It was, uh, it was filled with cancer tumor removal surgeries, hospital discharges, in-home faintings, 911 calls, wow. hospital readmissions, and <laughs> even uh, cancer false, po- false positives, false cancer alarms that I was sick again. Thank God it was a false alarm. Right. Oh man. And I, I, I couldn't catch a break. Yeah. And then, and then I was forced to live in five different hospitals and then 2000 came around. And then my next mountain to climb was my physical rehabilitation. I had to find a way to graduate from that wheelchair into a, a walker and hopefully two canes and one cane. And the, the, the dream was to triumphantly walk alongside my friends and family again on my own. It yeah. was uphill, man. It, it, it was uphill. And you know what they say, right? Yeah. Adversity. Adversity truly introduces a person to themselves. And yeah. man, was my faith tested. You know what they say, right? Faith untested can't be trusted. And boy, was I tested, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so tell me a little bit, because I know we were having this conversation beforehand and some of the things that you had mentioned to me as in, you know, your experience with the first doctor who almost, you know, misdiagnosed you and that part of your journey with cancer? Well, yeah, the <laughs> the reason why I want to talk about that is because, you know, you and people who are diagnosed with cancer or terminal illnesses, they have to go through so many adversities while they are still battling with some of the disease, the disease itself. And, you know, the strength and the mental energy and the exhaustion and just in your case, I loved your tenacity to just not wanting to give up. Oh, thanks. That, that's, that's so sweet of you to mention. Like I said, I was forced to live in five different hospitals, five different ones. Yeah. And, and it wasn't easy. You're, you're stuck there in that hospital bed, in that hospital. You're physically a prisoner of that place. Right. And, and even though I was stuck in that place, my body was stuck in that place. There's this thing called mental imagery that I learned as a kid playing sports, mm-hmm. you know, where you mentally rehearsed shooting that foul shot in your head 500 times. So when you finally get to that moment in time, you've been there before. Yes. So while I, so while I was stuck in that hospital bed, <laughs> I refused to let my mind be a prisoner of that hospital. Mm. And I let my brain roam freely beyond the walls of that room, beyond the walls of that hospital. And in my mind, I was living and playing a natural, regular Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in my mind, going through the conversations, the patients, the clients, the friendships, the interactions that I would have on a typical Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
So at the end of each day, at the end of each day, in my mind, in my subconscious mind, I was tricking myself, tricking myself to believe that I was out there in the world living instead of slowly dying in that hospital bed. I mean, it's funny the things that you do when you're in dire straits because I was stuck there. Right. But I refused to let my mind be a prisoner of where I was at. And, you know, I, I don't have any proof. But a lot of people have said there's this mind, body, spirit connection. So I chose to believe it. And I said, let's, let's, let's try this. Let's try this. Yeah. And, you know, it's really interesting that you mentioned this because I want to take a moment to, you know, educate my audience about this because there is a plethora of research that actually has so much scientific evidence in the mental imagery and the visualization. Our mind, our brain, I should say, because I need to have that distinction, where our brain, when they have done, you know, the fMRIs and studies of and done brain scans, where they have found results um, that, So there was a study done. I'm just going to give you an example. There was a study done about people, you know, playing pianos. And then they measured in the brain, the parts of the brain that, you know, are responsible for the finger muscles when people play pianos. And then they they had a control group where they didn't do anything. Um, They were just, you know, there to just for them to be able to see what was the difference. Then there was a group of people that were asked to play piano and the same notes in their head in their mental imagery. The 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 that second group was showing the same brain scans as the people of the first group that were actually playing playing the piano. There was an actually and they say that you know a lot of the mental imagery things we use and we help patients to recover from fear and anxiety because our brain cannot tell the difference between reality and imagination. There was another Olympic athlete, like they say that people in stroke recovery, when they help them do um, visualizations like this or mental imagery, they recover five times faster in terms of their movements and rehab. There were also, there was, there also the study done where they noticed that, you know, um, uh, there was a in in this study they talked about the same thing where you know they were they, they were doing the same induction like hand induction like this and you know some of the people in they were asked to uh, open and close their fist just like we do with the stress ball the the people who were actually doing that physically versus the people who are doing that in the minds saw same changes in the muscles in their hands um, as they were doing that. So like you said, there's all this scientific evidence, even though you didn't know this back then, but we do this as a lot of like, there was, there was an Olympic athlete, actually, Sue Gunnell in 1992. She didn't make it to, you know, she didn't get a medal in 1991. So for a whole year, she literally just visualized she's a, her, she got a, in 92, she got a um, Olympic um, gold in hurdling. And for the whole year, just because she didn't win it in 1991, she trained herself, mentally visualized herself to actually go through the entire process every day, you know, five to 10 minutes a day. She would just visualize herself and strengthening the brain muscles or in that part of her brain where she needed the strength in her actual muscles to be actually being able to, you know, sprint, hurdle, hang on at certain parts of her, you know, um, hurdling journey. And literally by strengthening her brain muscles every day, she in, in one year was able to win a gold. So they do a lot of this training with athletes, especially um, where you can actually, and people who are suffering from illnesses like yours, where you can actually treat illnesses based on just visualization and how powerful that can be. 
Wow. Wow. I wish I knew you in 2016. Hey, wow. You had to figure it out based on your adversity, right? And now you're here telling me and my audience about this and how powerful that can be, um, you know, as a part of healing yourself, as a part of recovering from anxiety disorders, fears, you know, as a part of just peak performance and success in, in, in the athletic world. Wow, Ken. Well, with that being said, can I share one more story please, with you regarding please. mental yes, imagery? Absolutely. Okay, that's going to sound silly. So have you ever played that video game called Pac-Man? Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> you know, got, you got that little Pac-Man walk, yes, walk, yes. walk, 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 <laughs> like running around, yeah. biting and eating up and swallowing those dots on the uh, Pac-Man game board? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, would, I would lie down in my bed in the hospitals visualizing that I had a Pac-Man yeah. in my body. Yep. Walking around, chomping, chomping, womp, 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 chomping, eating around, eating up and gobbling up all those cancer cells. Yes. And I would go through that mental imagery whenever I was doing chemotherapy, when I woke up, when I went to sleep. Right. And on top of that mental imagery of letting my brain roam freely beyond the walls of the hospital. Yep. I did that little game in my head, Pac-Man eating up my cancer cells. I don't know if it worked, but hey, I'm it's still you're here. sitting there telling me the tale. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're in remission. That should mean something, right? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm still here. Off. I get to stay. Yeah. And uh yeah, wow. <laughs> who who would have known? Right? But, but amazing. And and I just wanted to bring you in to talk about the power of mental imagery as a first hand example and not just something that we study about or not just something that's, you know, out there in the studies, but you are a true living example of how you and it's not silly when you say, you know, the Pac-Man thing. It's like you you're in you're stuck in that hospital bed. What is the worst thing that could happen? You might die. But what's the best thing that could happen is you could maybe there is a 2% chance that you might make it. So you might as well make it thinking instead of staying, like you said, I was feeling self-pity and victim, feeling like a victim. I might as well make the best out of it while I'm in that bed. Yes. Amen. That's the mindset. Yes. And yes. so important to discuss. So um, tell me a little bit about, I know that there was something that you mentioned. So tell, tell us why, or tell my audience, why was it so important for you to live? And, you know, the nephew, your nephews and the cars that you would write. Sure. Down. I think that is just, the willpower is just as important in terms of the resilience and the strength that we need and why, like having a strong why you want to still make it and anything that you are trying to, you know, um, get good at or want in life or, you know, trying to change in terms of behaviors or want success at, it's really important to have a very strong why you want to do this. Because there could be, I mean, there are times that I'm sure you felt so much pain. I'm sure you felt so fatigued. I'm sure you felt very down and beat up by your disease that you were just like, even as much as you were doing mental imagery, I'm sure there were days that you were just like, okay, you know what, is this, should, is this, is this even worth it? Yes, yes. Well, thanks for asking that question. Like I said, I was stuck in five different hospitals. Yep. And uh, actually, I'm going to lean in a little bit. You yes. can hear this. My very first cancer doctor, let's call him Dr. K. Yep. My very first cancer doctor gave up on me, quit on me, and told my family that I was terminal and there was nothing he or the hospital could do for me mm. and that they were going to transfer me to the palliative care unit to keep me comfortable 
and pain-free in my remaining days. Yeah. And when I heard that, my life flashed before my eyes. It was like a sword swooping me right at the knees. Yeah. And then again, I had self-pity. Mm-hmm. You know, tears are coming out of my eyes. I, you, you, you can't help it. Yep, yep. And then, and then in, in, instead of crumbling at that moment in time, instead of crumbling, I chose to give myself a promise. And I said, if I am going to die, if I am leaving, I'm going to climb one more mountain before I leave this planet. Yeah. And that one, that one last undying purpose was to create this blog. It was a blog where I could collect my thoughts, the information that I had gathered during my time on earth <laughs> and, and leave it behind in such a way that's entertaining, easy to understand. Yeah. And I wanted to leave it behind specifically for my younger family members. Yeah. At that moment in time, I had a six-year-old nephew, mm-hmm. a five and three-year-old niece, mm-hmm. two brand new born twins who I knew that I wasn't going to get a chance to see grow up. Uh. And I wrote this blog to specifically leave behind so I could so I could still be a part of their life after I had passed away. Absolutely. But but the joke's on me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but the joke, bit, because I love but, your journey. No, go but ahead. The joke's on me, right? My <laughs> let's fast forward to September 2018. Yeah. And one, my brand new, my brand new cancer doctors stamped me cancer free. And Yay. told me to go just live my life. So excited. And, and two, that blog that I'm that we're talking about that I left behind specifically for my younger family members has trickled across the planet and established a global readership. Like, wow. like come on, that wasn't even the plan. Yeah. And then three, on top of that, an online community has been <laughs> has been ironically established and is walking alongside that blog. Uh. I mean, like I say, it's funny how how life unfolds. And I don't share this with you to brag. Yeah. I'm sharing this with you to show you that adversity, adversity introduced me into a more resilient, more, more stronger version of me. Yeah. Adversity pulled me away from the idea of faltering and made me want to fight. Yeah. Adversity introduced me to the idea of turning my brain on instead yeah. of shutting it off to the possibilities of what I could do with my remaining days. Yeah. And you know, and instead of lying in that hospital bed waiting for the coffin to arrive, I just, I used my remaining days to create that blog. And like you said, one purpose. I had one more undying purpose, which I think kept me going. Absolutely. Tell and, me how that And here we are started. today. I love, love, love the way your blog started. It started with four cards. No, it's really important because nobody on their hospital bed while they're dying thinks that, hey, you know what? I want to write a blog. You know, and and the way your journey unfolded with that was so beautiful. And I really want my audience to know that how you started with, you know, the letters that you would, the cards. That oh, you're, yeah. okay. The, the, okay. It was so beautiful because that's what okay. you do, right? When you're in hospice, what do you do? Sit and think about the people and, you know, want to get ready to say your goodbyes, which is very mm-hmm. grueling. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, wow. Whew. You're bringing me back in time. It's okay. It's okay. <clears throat> I was in, I was in, a, in a different hospital. Mm-hmm. And as fate would have it, you know, when I came up with the idea, I'm going to write this blog. But I look, well, now what? Right. And then as fate would have it, to the right in that little desktop, there were these four by six cards and one pen screaming at me. Yeah. So it was no fluke. So I, I, I took the cards out 
and I just started writing. I'll, I think the I I think I wrote on the the very first one. I I, I wrote that it's a uh, you can either have a lifetime filled with excuses, or you can have a lifetime filled with results, but not both. Yes. And then I put that in an envelope. Yeah. Which was marked to give to all those younger family members when they reached. I think it was eight years old. Yeah. Ah. And then and then and then I think the 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 next card I I, I had written was uh, it's it's not important how smart you are. What's important is understanding how you're smart. Yes. And using those skills yes. to achieve your life's purpose. And then I put that in an envelope, and I give this to them when they become 12 years old. Right. You know, another one was <laughs> when, when they were going to, when they were going to graduate. Yes. And to, to, to be a part of their life and inspire them to say, you can go out and get what you want to get, mm. you know, refuse, refuse to take someone's criticism, refuse to take any criticism from someone you would never take advice from yep. ever. Yep. Yep. You know, and then I had all these nuggets, which I kept on, putting in envelopes, giving, and I was going to give it to my family members. Please, once I'm gone, please give it to them. Yes. But then, <laughs> but then the nurse came in I love around, that uh, the nurse came in around 11 PM to give me my medicine. And now there's this stack, this stack of four <laughs> by six cards. She walks in, she goes, what are you doing? And then I explained to her what I just told you. And then she told me, she goes, well, do you ever think of converting this into a blog? Right. And I go, well, who's going to want to read what I have to say? Right. Who, 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 who am I? I'm, I'm Mr. Nobody. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to do that. She goes, yeah, you're right. Maybe you shouldn't write a blog. But I have an idea. I go, what's that? Maybe you could upload this stuff digitally, leave it behind so that way your family members would know where they were and they could never lose them and they'd be up there forever. And I said, brilliant. That is a great idea. <laughs> she looked at me. <laughs> she did that. She looked at me, rolled her eyes, and she goes, yes, that is a great idea. Enjoy writing your blog. She walked out. She gave me a wink. And I realized, I told you, uh, uh, I'm not the sharpest bowling ball in the alley. Hey. you know. And, and it took that kind of patience and sarcasm for her to make me realize I could do it. Absolutely. But, but it, it, it was funny. That nurse was a godsend. But but I'll share with yeah. you how this blog actually became a reality down Please. the road. Yes, yes, yes. You can share now. I would love to know. I'm so intrigued by your story. Okay. Well, you know, to write a blog, I was inviting people into that dark chapter of my life. Yeah. I, w I, was, I was sharing feelings of when I was feeling insignificant, isolated, alone, unseen, unheard, lost, broken, invisible, scared, yes, invisible, scared, alone, and lonely. Yeah. You know, words, words that I, I realized that a lot of people on the planet were living. Yeah. And I'll never forget this. I was writing that my very, very first article and I was about to upload it into cyberspace mm. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. I was scared. I was so scared because people were going to read it, yeah. critique it, yeah, critique it, critique it. Right. And I, I was afraid to, to upload it. <clears throat> and then my, my six-year-old nephew at the time walked up to me and he asked me, he goes, what's wrong? And I said, I'm having trouble uploading my blog. 
And then he looks at me with his six-year-old finger and he goes, all you have to do is press send. And then he put his finger on that send button. And, and when he pressed send, it uploaded into cyberspace. And I can't even take credit for the beginning of that blog. Oh. It's funny, huh? Yeah. It, was, it, it was meant to be. So uh, yeah. believe it or not, he's the one. He's the one who's uh, the star. But he was <laughs> the one why you had such a tenacity to live, right? You, you Even on the days that seemed so dark and, you know, um, uncertain, you wanted to live for him and his siblings, you know, and I, that that's so true that kids teach us so many lessons, but we lose in the process of life. We lose our childlike self. We lose our childlike impulsivity. Sometimes we lose our childlike innocence and creativity that we so very much need to just be as a part of our purpose on this planet that we were put on here to do in the first place. You know, I, I went through very same things like, you know, you, when I first started this podcast, I'm like, who's going to want to listen to me and the whole imposter syndrome that kicks in, you know, Einstein dealt with that. Maya Angelou dealt with that. All these very successful people continue to deal with it as in who am I to share this lesson? But I feel that if we don't do it, then it's just you are on this planet to make a difference in at least one person's life, if not more. <laughs> wow. Wow. Amen. Wow. Right. That's wow. Because like that's all said, I can say. Like, like you said, um, there are so many people that are connected to you from all over the world and are looking for that hope. Tell us what your the name of your blog. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, the, yeah. the name of the blog is it's www.thepositivedrip.com. Beautiful. I can't wait for people to get into that blog with you in that journey that you continue to, you know, um, light, ignite hope in people, inspire people, especially with the times that we're in. And one of the things that I absolutely love about that blog, because I've gotten a chance to read it since I met you and I'm like, oh, how fun. It's like, sometimes it's short snippets or short reminders, but it's so needed in terms of those dark moments that we all have, despite of who we could be and who we are, you know, and I just love most importantly, more than anything, just the mindset, you know, that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to continue to want to be positive and look at life from an optimistic standpoint of view instead of pessimistic and feeling like a victim to your situation. It's okay to, you know, hope that one day there is a light at the end of the tunnel if you wanted to. Yes. Yes. So Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely love your blog. So tell me a little bit about because I know that when one of the things that we had talked about was uh, journaling and, you know, some of the other things that we had mentioned as a part of our talking. Um, so what are some of the other things that you learned as, uh, you know, some of the lessons that you can share with my audience um, as a part of your journey? Oh, yes, yes. The the one thing, the one thing that I could control and Everybody else on the planet can control yeah. everyone. And I mean, when I say everyone, I mean, everyone. Exactly. <laughs> everyone yeah. can control their, their attitude. Yes. Everyone can protect their attitude. Yep. And, and I did everything I possibly could to make sure that I would protect that attitude when I was going through the fire. And uh, I, would, I would read books, positive mental attitude books pumping stuff into my brain, making myself believe in the idea of believing. Mm. And on those days where I, 
was too tired, too exhausted, too sick to read, mm -hmm. I'd plug into an audio podcast or I'd watch a DVD or I'd watch a video, you know, to give me some information, some inspiration to believe that, hey, it's possible to still win. Absolutely. And then, and then, and then most importantly, I would surround myself. <laughs> I would surround oh, myself yeah. <laughs> with people that wanted to truly see me win and that were willing to help me win. And anyone that was negative, and you know this, when you're driven, when you're towards, when you're chasing something that is extraordinary, the haters are going to show up. Sabotages are going to show up. Yeah. They, they want to see you fail. Right. You know? And I figured out who those people were. And I said, look, I love you. I really, really do. <laughs> and I just, I just don't think maybe, maybe let's just stay away from each other. And it was May. And I said, May 2016. So I said, you know what? Let's just. Let's just reconnect around December 2030. Oh, 2030. And at the same time, you know, th these were things that I, I, I had to do because that was the one thing that me and everyone on the planet can, can control is their attitude. What happens between the two ears? Absolutely. You know, if, if, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yes. Absolutely. I am so glad that you mentioned that because, you know, as in our culture, one of the things that, you know, we go to school, like you said, you know, you can learn to be smart or you can learn what your smartness can do for you, what you were mentioning earlier. You know, it's like we go to school for all these things, but there are certain things like people, you know, boundaries, concepts that are such important for our well-being, mental well-being and just emotional well-being and just overall our wellness we don't get taught in school, you know, it's like um, what you did was you practice boundaries that was important for you. And a lot of times I think as a society, we think if we practice boundaries, we are supposed to just live our life for other people. And as a result of that, we compromise so much of ourselves and we don't get to the goals or the visions that we are meant for because we are surrounded by people who sometimes tend to suck the life out of us. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's the truth. Um, like you said, it, that's one thing we can control. And sometimes those people exist in everyone's life. But if you, how can you practice, you know, good boundaries by making sure that if these people have stopped aligning with your bigger purpose or your higher vision of yourself, then it's time to let those people go. And sometimes new people, then you make room for new people that are meant to align and help and, you know, be in that process of helping you win. Um, some of those relationships are, you know, in, in terms of relationships, it's hard because we don't know what is right, what is wrong. We don't want to hurt other people's feelings, but we also don't want then, you know, we compromise on ourselves and, you know, we feel like self self-care is selfish and practicing good boundaries it's good self-care it helps you know it, it it helps you go not go to the process of you know all this mental draining that you feel after you're associated with certain people and then having to you know spend time and effort trying to mend from that as opposed to just you know maintaining good boundaries with people and saying no when you can't do something or don't align with their values that are not you know driving you to be your higher self. So, so important that you mentioned that because like you said, attitude is everything. We can choose not to suffer. We can't choose about certain things that are going to come into our lives. You know, we can't choose um, certain things happening in our brain, but we can choose our attitude. And as a result, rewire our brain results, surround ourselves with people, make choices that are good for us and our vision of things. And I think that to me is more important than anything. 
<laughs> You're preaching to the choir, sister. Right. <laughs> so I really love that you mentioned that. So that was really important. Um, so tell me one thing. Um, I guess we're almost end, uh, getting to the end of this. Is there anything that we should know about you or anything that your story that I didn't get a chance to touch base on that we didn't uh, hit on? Oh, yeah. Let's see. When you when you're so close to being ushered off this planet mm. untimely, mm. you get introspective and you really, really start to look around mm. and you see and you start to really see things. Yes. <clears throat> and like I said, I was living in five different hospitals. Right. And the one thing I was surrounded with every day was sickness and death. Mm. And by seeing that, it made me realize that 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 nobody is guaranteed a tomorrow yes and that the biggest lie the biggest lie that we've been led to believe is that we all have time and yes. that we have a long list of some days <clears throat> and a whole bunch of i'll do it later opportunities thank you but 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 that's not the truth yes the truth is we are all running out of time we don't know when our number is going to be called Exactly. And we, and we all have distractions in life. We all do. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I have tons of distraction in my life. Yeah. But it's up to me and everyone on the planet to, to eliminate as many distractions as you can. So you yeah. can chase down your personal check marks. So yeah. that way, when it is time to pass away, you can die empty, bringing yeah. no earthly, yeah. unfinished business with you to the grave. Oh. That's what I learned. So well put, because I feel that sometimes we wait till that happens to live the life to the fullest. I've been, I have personally in my life, I've had streaks of things that have happened. And that's one of the reasons why I believe in two things, living life without regrets. If I'm going to do it, I do it big and I don't regret it later. And second, I I am truly a believer of, you know, tomorrow might not exist. So try to, we all get 24 hours in a day. It's up to us to use those 24 hours the way we need to so we don't wait till later because that's what we normally tend to do. And for some of us, that later might not arrive in time. So, wow. Thank you so much, Nelson. <laughs> I feel that I could literally just start, keep talking to you forever. Um, but for that, I will continue to stay plugged in with your blog. And how can people find you? Please give my audience a place where, you know, how can they find you? How can they be connected to you and your positivity and your mindset and everything that you are? Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Thanks. You can find me at www.thepositivedrip.com. That's mm -hmm. the blog. Mm -hmm. You can also find us on the YouTube channel at The Positive Drip. And uh, before you say bye to me, I just want to say that I applaud you for using your life to make a difference. Uh -huh. And, and I want to and I want to thank you for letting me be a part of your life story Absolutely. and your mission. And we're going to be connected for much longer than just this interview. <laughs> All right. Okay. Not <laughs> yes, goodbye. Absolutely. See you later. Yes, absolutely. I'm big believe. I don't like goodbyes. I like see you later. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate all of you for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, um, please, please, please be so kind to rate and review us so that we can show up, you know, uh, the algorithms can sort of help us and other people who are really looking for this kind of hope, inspiration, and, you know, peace and a purposeful, content living 
where they can be inspired every week by new guests on the show and by some of my neuroscience um, nerdness, then that would really be great. So if you could please rate and review us, subscribe if you like, so you never have to miss an episode. And thank you so much for continuing to be a part of my journey every day. And if you need to find me, like, you know, I would love to get your feedback and, you know, some of the struggles that you might be facing so that I can bring in more people that can help, you know, add to the value of your struggles and get you in the direction that you need to go to. Um, so reach me anytime at gpatel at gpatelcounseling.com and all the uh, stuff that all the places that, you know, other places that you can find me at will be in my show notes. So thank you so much and see you next time.